Welcome to the Digital Dudes Podcast. I'm David. I'm Reed slash Joe Biden. Yeah, <laughs> you'll learn about Reed's uh, uh, like comment there uh, as soon as the episode starts. But we were trying to figure out what we wanted to talk about this week. And uh, Reed and I were just saying, well, shoot, there's a lot of stuff happening um, in the media right now, a lot of current events. And so we thought it'd be fun to just kind of get on and riff and see where it took us. So something that Reed thought would be like a digital snack of like 15 minutes went as per usual, like probably 45 or 50 minutes. Uh, but I thought it was fun. Like I, we touched, we touched a lot of different subjects from the election to antitrust with Google to Apple search engine to, uh, well, seventies, eighties and nineties action movies. So I thought it was fun, Reed. Yeah, I did too. I greatly enjoy these types of topics, even if they don't end with like action items to take back to properties, you know, uh, I thought it was uh, I thought it was fun. You know, there's a, a lot of interesting things going on in the world. That's a nice way of putting it. Um, and some of them will have a more direct impact on on the apartment industry, and some not so much. But uh, still fun, fun fodder to talk through. Yeah. Well, um, we figure we'll do this every every now and then when there's a bunch of stuff happening in the world. Um, so we'll test it out, and maybe it'll stick, and maybe it won't. But um, I think today is a is a fun listen if you. Uh, if you just want to kind of catch up on tech news with us, or I guess more a little bit beyond tech news, but I guess just overall big news. Yeah, I do have a recommendation um, that next time we do this, which won't be for another four years, we will dress up and play the role of each candidate, like full bore, and, <laughs> uh, and argue our points around ad technology and other things that potentially will impact the industry. It's kind of like... Uh, a more well, I was gonna say more informative, but maybe that's not fair. But kind of like an SNL skit where we assume the exactly. character and try to argue on the other person's view. Exactly. That would be really fun. Maybe we do that anyways. Beyond because uh, <laughs> I like that <laughs> concept. Of just like try to. Uh, it's like, um, did you ever watch the movie? Um, oh, shoot, was it called Game Change? Game Change, where they did the uh, the McCain and um, shoot, who was his running mate? McCain. Oh, Sarah Palin. Palin. Yeah. I guess you haven't seen that movie, but they had a, they did a movie where they reenacted uh, McCain bringing Palin in and what it was like on the campaign trail. And at one point during the, the movie, and I forget all of a sudden who plays her. It's a really famous actress, but she was phenomenal. And uh, at one point in the movie, they were like, um, well, we're going to have to do some like mock debates with you. Cause we can't just like keep you like, you know, behind the scenes the whole time. And, uh, and so they start doing, uh, where they play the other, uh, the other people. And it was, it was really well, like funny and well done, but it, you know, she's like, why are you giving me such hard questions? And they're like, uh, these are, <laughs> these are not hard questions. These are softballs. Yeah. <laughs> is the earth, is the earth flat? Hey, come on. Yeah. Give me something easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, newsroom yeah. did that well too. Uh, you and I both, uh, really enjoyed that that uh series um that was a sorkinson um but they they had those uh you know debate preparations that were pretty pretty awesome so anyways we digress um it, it that's the point of digital dudes and this episode <laughs> <laughs> i was about to take you one more but i'll do that offline so anyways right. if you want to hang out with us for a bit then uh, stay tuned yeah. Okay, Reed. So you actually did change your name on this Squadcast. That what we use to record the podcast. Usually, you it's like uh, Telemundo Robot Thirty Seven or something that it auto assigns you. And this time, you put you gave yourself your own name, <laughs> and it's apt for I, our topic I, today. Yeah, may, maybe I did, and maybe I didn't, David. Maybe Squadcast is uh, more political of a platform than we realized. Yeah, I have Joe Biden underneath my name, uh, so nobody misses out on the inside joke since we still don't have video yet. Um, yeah. This is just an audio podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 
today we were we were trying to go over what to talk about and there's just a lot of uh, like big news stories and current events happening so we thought it'd be fun to just uh, talk through three of them so the three that we're looking at or that we're going to cover is one the election so today is monday november 2nd so the elections tomorrow um then the google antitrust case and then uh, apple possibly releasing a search engine so to go move on your Joe Biden comment read here. What the heck do we want to, what do we want to talk about when it concerns the election? <laughs> well, I, I just figured any major event like this and certainly politics has a huge impact on, on our lives more than I think a lot of people realize, but um, you know, considering, uh, you know, the friction and the buildup to this one, you know, it made more sense for us to to touch on it at least um, and how we think it may or may not impact um, our industry. So we always try and ground ourselves there. Um, but I, I think the obvious uh, impact all of us are bracing for is, is more protest and potentially uh, and sadly, I think a, a lot more violent uh, protests. And so, you know, we have clients at this point, I think, in nearly 40 out of 50 states. And so, um, you know, we're certainly going to be probably hearing some from them and already have at least I've heard some of the concerns about, you know, what what this means for uh, their cities and, and ultimately some of their communities that are more in the thick of things. So probably the best example of that is Minneapolis. Um, you know, we have a pretty strong footprint there and you know, due to uh, the George Floyd, you know, uh, death and um, protests from much earlier in the year, um, they are extremely on on ease, or I'm sorry, on ease, uh, uh, uneasy and uh, kind of on tilt with this whole thing. And so um, I think, you know, the question is, you know, will, how, how much, and we've talked about this with several of our, our clients, do, do they want to get involved if at all, um, you know, meaning in, in the communication they're having with residents or, uh, you know, what they're putting out on social posts um, as far as uh, not not their position on which side, you know, but more about, you know, how they're going to manage through it or any kind of warnings or updates. And then what if uh, their residents do take to, to the social media channels, right? Because um, a lot of people are going to be very vocal one way or another, how, however things shake out. Um, the other thing that I'm, I'm curious about is, you know, will we see, you know, if Trump were, were to be reelected, uh, more um, of kind of the restrictions uh, when it comes to these third party platforms? Like, you know, will we see uh, more of an impact or effect uh, from Biden, um, you know, when it comes to a lot of the the regulations and a lot of the uh, spotlight that's being put on data privacy, uh, the fair housing, you know, um, side of things, et cetera. So um, that's just a jumping off point, you know, as far as some things I'll be curious about. Of course, you know, it came up a lot uh, back to kind of those platforms and ad tech platforms, you know, that Trump uh, was on the verge of closing down TikTok, which a lot of our clients were showing some excitement and interest in uh, and wanting to to pursue. And that's, I'll say just temporarily subsided, but um, that gets into like, you know, kind of more macro, like what happens when uh, with one or the other, uh, as far as, uh, you know, some of the, yeah, data and uh, third party ad technology companies, uh, the big ones, like how, how we see that playing out. Well, it, so first of all, Reed, one of you, I know you're not into 90s action movies. I mean, I'm looking for your how, confirmation how, on this. I feel like every time we talk about a nice action movie, you're like, I hate that actor, actress, whatever it is. Oh, man, don't get me started. I I love action movies, uh, but maybe 90s was not a good decade for me. Um, certainly, whenever I, I hear Keanu Reeves' name pop up, uh, I start to get pretty sour pretty fast. Uh, but uh, there were some. I thought you never had seen an action movie in your life. I thought, because every time oh. we talk about one, you're like, oh, that, that blowhard. What what's it, what's one that you go for? Well, I'm a fan of the first two Terminators, and I think both of those were well. No, one of them was in the '90s. Uh, the other one was in the '80s, and then um, fan of the Alien uh, franchise, but um, not not the last last you know whatever it was six or seven, but the first <laughs> handful. Of course, I think that started in the '70s, maybe even the first one. Yeah. So, um, what else? 
I don't know. Where is this? Where is this coming from? Don't keep me in well, suspense. Immediately, one of the quotes I was thinking of was from a movie I know you're not a fan of, uh, but uh, Nicolas Cage in The Rock. He's he's uh, <laughs> you know, you <laughs> he know I like that one. I I told oh, you really? I like that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. sorry, sorry. Did you know Sean Connery just died? He was freaking like 93 or something. I didn't know he's that old, but yeah, he just died like a couple days yes. ago. Yeah, I know. I was super bummed about that. Um, but it's one of my favorites. And in the beginning of the movie, Stanley Goodspeed, who is Nick Cage, he's like he like goes off on his wife about bringing it or his fiance about bringing a child into the world and how it, you know, you must be a maniac to do that, whatever, whatever. Fast forward, you know, 35 seconds and she's like, I'm, you know, Stanley, I'm pregnant. And then he's like, oh, this is great. And she's like, Stanley, seven and a half seconds ago, you thought this was a moronic thing to do. He's like, gosh, a whole lot's changed in seven and a half seconds, right? That's how I feel about this, like, uh, about politics. Like, I've been following for about seven and a half seconds. Uh, (laughs) That's what's happening in the world. So this is why you're leading. Yeah, that's longer than I thought you were going to (laughs) say. Yeah. Well, hopefully you cast the ballot this year. I did. I voted. I voted early. So first of all, all, uh, it was news to me that like not everybody had early voting. It's like not the same in every state. So that's like a problem to me. Is that right? Shouldn't this be equal across the board? So I'm sure other people are like, yeah, duh. This is what we've been talking about. Secondly, though, like it's really interesting to me that like as you're playing like, well, what if Trump wins? What if Biden wins? On one hand, on the outside, I would have figured, oh, yeah, Trump is is more about like letting less regulation, less free market, like whatever, whatever. Right. But then you bring up the TikTok incident and all of a sudden it's like, oh, shoot, I guess you can't blatantly go that way and say there's going to be more regulation with Biden than with Trump because, you know, he was going to just shut down, shut down a company or was that's what he was um um, at least like, uh, posing for. So, um, yeah, it's just really interesting. So do you see this when you said, bring it back to the apartment industry, do you see there being a, a more positive outcome based on who, like for the apartment industry, like, which is a, which is a, I don't know, a better situation or for apartment marketing, maybe, maybe to help condense it a little bit more. Yeah, that's really tricky. I think it's similar to this whole recession and economic crisis. There's winners and there's losers. And that would stay true, I think, uh, with either candidate, you know, meaning if Trump wins, there'll be winners and losers within the apartment industry. And if Biden wins, and I think it's fairly obvious just knowing the parties and and what these guys represent, uh, which uh, subsets of the industry, you know, would would come out, would have a good outcome and, and which ones wouldn't. So when you think about fair housing, affordable housing, the the C-class um, properties, I think, you know, they're, they're not going to have a good outcome if Trump's reelected. Um, that being said, you know, uh, you could say also, hey, if the economic um, trends continue, um, they could do fairly well, but uh, occupancy doesn't translate to rent, as we very well know. So, um, it doesn't matter uh, unless unless they're actually able to collect checks. And so uh, I think, um, you know, Trump's obviously huge on real estate. Everybody knows that. And so I don't see, you know, like development and investors, uh, I think, too worried, if not probably rooting for, for a Trump victory here um, as you talk about deregulation or, um, you know, the ability certainly when it comes to uh, – you know, the investors to, to procure and develop funds, um, and get, get the capital they need to, to keep, uh, to keep developing. So, um, there, there's a lot, uh, I mean, a great question, a lot to unpack on both sides. I think what's interesting about Trump and just bringing it quickly back to the TikTok is, you know, he, in a way, like, isn't really representative. I think that's been brought up well, I know it has tons of times of the Republican Party. It's more a Trump party and he had to choose one side and it was an obvious which side he was going to choose in order, you know, to to get elected in the first place. But um I say this because, you know, when when he looks at like like Facebook, for example, him and Zuckerberg, you know, many people have have made comments about that relationship. Um or perceived relationship, you know, with Facebook being the most reluctant to take down, you know, fake news and fake videos, um, in particular, you know, on, on the Republican side. And so what, what does that really say, you know, say to us and and say to the industry, and then you have, uh, 
Dorsey over there with Twitter, and you have uh, the the folks at Google that have been way more committed there. But anyways, yeah, Dorsey, Twitter, and then Google. Um, and I, you know, I'm sure it goes beyond that. I haven't paid that that close of attention, but just you know that uh, he's super outspoken about those platforms and um, highly critical of them, right? Uh, if they're not supporting uh, uh, supporting his his position. And at one point, they did shut down the Trump uh, Twitter feed. I don't know if you knew that, David, but they did that temporarily based on how uh, kind of the vitriol and, and how uh, intense it had gotten along mm. with the fake news. So um, I'm just pointing that out because I find, you know, Trump, uh, like most people, entirely unpredictable. And so it makes it really hard, you know, to, to I guess, imagine or predict, uh, forecast what what uh, kind of outcome we're looking at if we have another four years of him in office. But generally speaking, I mean, a lot of people, and, you know, I don't mind saying, you know, we'll classify the uh, the Democratic Party as the we party and the Republicans as the me party. And I think, you know, with Trump that, I mean, I said I'd behave myself, but I, <laughs> you know, I think that's hard to argue. And so if that's the case, it's pretty easy to imagine who the winners and losers will be within multifamily, at least from my perspective. Well, I did not, I don't think I was totally aware of Twitter shutting down his feed for a bit. Um, but what is, what is like interesting to me is, is what you're saying is like a lot of people feel that Facebook is starting to posture about how, about, um, well, just trying to get into a position to where if Biden is elected, it's not seen, they're not all of a sudden like brought in, um, into some sort of government uh, legal throwdown because they've been not reacting to the fake news as you're talking about. So some people think it's more of a calculated move that that Facebook's starting to amp up their um, own policing. In which case, it's really interesting to me at least to think about like, well, what if Trump does win again? If they were just posturing for, you know, a Biden win, then would they all of a sudden go back into dormancy, <laughs> you know, where they're not doing anything versus like, I think, um, in fact, um, I think it was Friday, uh, Google, uh, yeah, Dorsey, so Twitter, uh, and Facebook were back in front of like um, the Senate again. And uh, they the, they were p pointing out like, hey, Twitter, you removed 62 of, um, of Trump like tweets or something, and you haven't removed anything from, from Biden, so you're showing favoritism. And Twitter's argument was, well, heck, uh, they broke the rules, or he broke the rules 62 times, and Biden didn't. And that's why, <laughs> that's why we didn't pull Biden down. So don't make it look like we're trying to play favorites here with Democrats over Republicans. Um, so anyways, I just think it's really interesting to think about what, how the tech uh, industry may react if, uh, well, depending who wins, because it does seem like that this is like, even though I've only been paying a, attention for seven and a half seconds, it does seem like this is the first time that there's like some really major tech implications because of the antitrust suits that are going on. And, in the fake news and, um, you know, complaints and things like that. Yeah, totally agree. I was, thought you might even bring up disparate impact there for a second when you were, you know, walking me through the Twitter numbers, uh, <laughs> with disparate impact or is this, uh, you know, uh, black and white cases here. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I guess the, the more, um, obvious, uh, you know, concern getting back to where I started was, you know, on what the protests are going to look like and will this affect, you know, leasing, you know, will we see any change in trends, you know, as, uh, people, um, you know, may, may actually favor staying somewhat secluded and, and just letting things blow over, meaning, uh, it could be a few months. I mean, many people predicted this of, of real, uh, you know, discord and, uh, you know, tumultuous, you know, kind of environment that we're, we're getting ready to uh, experience, maybe some of the worst uh, in, in our country's history. So I hate to be, you know, negative about it, but uh, certainly if, if that did happen, you know, that could have some impact. And it's not to say that, you know, I'm, I'm saying it's a bad thing or a good thing. I'm just merely pointing out that uh, leasing trends could be affected in the near future. And I think that's, I again, want to say it was coming from a property in Minneapolis, but they, they're prepared for that. They're saying, you know, between November and December, we already know that we're going to get hit with seasonality, but we're bracing for something far worse, um, you know, based on what they're anticipating uh, in the city. Yeah. Well, I would, uh, I mean, I don't have as much, 
like obviously knowledge on that front. I simply have it on the on the uh, more on the ad network front. And uh, what I what I think is interesting is, um, and this will kind of roll us into our second topic, which is the Google antitrust. But like, let's say that you have, um, um, like, a, let's say Biden wins. And as you're saying, there's more data privacy and, and other concerns coming down. And then obviously this Google antitrust lawsuit just got filed like a couple of weeks ago. And the big concern um, around uh, around Google or the main thing was not what I expected. I expected it to be around like maybe their cloud computing or um, maybe like local maps or something. But the, the complaint right now is around Google's actual search behavior and the fact that they pay uh, Apple an estimated $12 billion a year to be the preferred search engine on Apple, which is interesting because if you remember like the, the Windows antitrust lawsuit back in the 90s was because uh, Windows was like, oh, we're going to preload Internet Explorer on here for free and that's going to wipe out Netflix, which I always had a little bit of an issue <laughs> personally because I was like... You mean Netscape? Sorry, yeah, Netscape. Thank you. Yeah, um, yeah. I always had... A, I always... These things are always tough for me because on one hand, like we as a... I guess as a country have decided that like the free market is the way to go, right? Like it's all about like the invisible hand or whatever. And this is, I studied economics in school and that was like what everyone's talking about. Right. But yet if you play the game, so our game is, you know, money effectively, right? Like earn as much as you can. But then if you play it too well, in a sense, all of a sudden you come back and you get slapped in this case, Google's getting slapped because they're paying someone else to make them the preferred. And that $12 billion is a lot of, a lot of cash to be the preferred like search engine on Apple. And so my, my, uh, I would have tying this back to your last comment. And then what I'm saying, if like, if Biden, um, if Biden were to win is like, uh, that could only get worse, right. For Google. If, if it's all about these data protections and privacy, because, and this takes us almost into the third topic I want to talk about today, but Apple's search engine, I swear I'll give you a chance after this last part, but, the, the thought is like Apple's been working on its own search engine for years. They had actually hired away Google's chief like head of search like three or four years ago. And, but they said that this guy's just going to work on AI. Don't worry about him. It's nothing to do with search. It's just AI. Then Google's getting smashed or whatever, right? Uh, about the, the Apple thing. So imagine that Google says, you know what? We concede um, that the antitrust isn't about the Chrome browser. It's about our search and how we're so dominant in search. So we're going to have to give up Apple. So they give up Apple. So then who's going to replace that vacuum, right? Well, makes sense that Apple's going to try to do it. But now all of a sudden you go from like one company dominating search to another big ass company having a, having half of search or whatever, because most search happens on mobile phones and Apple is half of mobile phones. So my only point here is like, that could be a huge shakeup for like any, when it comes to advertising for, um, for apartments. And in particular, if you think about, um, well, all the other things that may be implicated. So people are really pushing on Google or have been saying, hey, Google's going to come out with its own ILS competitor, yada, yada, yada. Do you think that that makes them with this antitrust, are they that much more likely to roll out like a competitor to like apartments.com or something or like trying to squash the ILSs at this point? If I'm Google and I'm getting grilled right now, I'm like anything that's seen is, in, is touching search at the moment. I'm starting to like, uh, let's put a freeze on this at the moment. Right. right. And so that is going to have that. That's where there may be the biggest, I guess, impact on, um, on our industry. Yeah. Well, a, a lot, a lot there to unpack, but, uh, it's, um, I, I think we should just jump in now to kind of both antitrust. I mean, they, like you said, connect well, um, you know, I, I'm trying to remember if this was the seven powers, you know, like if, if this came up in that book, but, uh, or if this was in, in one of the product books, but they were pointing out that Microsoft's, and you, I'm sure already knew this, uh, algorithm, I don't want to say it was more sophisticated, but was either more accurate, was bringing back better results. Um, there was some sort of uh, improvement that was demonstrated, uh, like clear improvement on Microsoft search engine. And yet they're, you know, they still sit, whatever, like, I don't even know the percent right now. You would, you would be able to quote those kind of stats better than me. But um, their point was, is that Google has the, the experience, you know, of, of Google is, is, valuable to them as as the algorithm their data you know all this stuff is that they have now created such a 
embedded experience in globally uh, for search that that can't really ever be undone. Um, it's just a wasted effort. And so that's, uh, I guess, my response. And it's not mine. It's it's just what I had heard or read. But that that will protect them and almost it almost makes them invulnerable. So I get the whole like Apple, you know, has all, you know, you have the built in market, but I'm one of them. I'll just tell you, I, I don't know yet. I should hold judgment, but I can't see myself using their search engine. Like, uh, like I just, I, I know I'm probably going to quickly hop over to Google and I'll be annoyed. I'll probably be cursing the phone for, for, for trying to force me to use their new search engine. And I'm just going to move over to Google and bookmark it or whatever, use, use the Google app. So anyways, uh, that, that's my initial like take on, you know, how successful I'll say Apple's going to be, how disruptive this will be. I don't know how you feel about that. Well, I think it'll be a default, but I think a lot of consumers are like, so maybe you'll, you'll no longer default to Google or maybe like the best way to do it would have when someone starts up their phone the first time it gives them the choice. Like, what do you want to be your default search engine? Cause you can change to other search engines on Apple or Android. It's just not the most intuitive. Yeah, right. And I think like, to your point, like I remember Apple maps came out like a couple years ago and you're on iPhone and I'm an Android. And at first you were using or trying Apple maps, but very quickly, I remember you getting frustrated. I don't know if you like fought through that and if you still use Apple maps or if you went to Google or Waze again. Um, I, I'm more on ways, uh, it's kind of pathetic, but I, I probably 60% ways, 20%, um, Google maps and 20%, uh, Apple. And it's like, and a lot of it is just me being lazy or Miranda will send me like, Hey, here's where the soccer field is. And you know, it's, it's pinned right on her Apple, uh, on her phone. And so I ended up using Apple. So I'm more more ways though, uh, and I I get where you're going with this. So I am susceptible or open to like you know a switch or a new habit if it's if it's a superior experience. But I have a hard time imagining, frankly, and I'm not trying to be uh, narrow-minded here, but uh, a better experience uh, with Apple's search engine than what you get on Google. Yeah. Well, that's what's interesting is like when I've used the Bing search engine before, it's way more full featured than Google, meaning like there's more like how Google has started to move towards like showing images and videos and search like Bing's been doing that for a long time, which I think they changed their name back from Bing to Microsoft search or something. But um, they've been doing those kinds of like extra like, well, it's kind of like in a way like Google's kind of like Craigslist, right? Where it's like Craigslist has been the same forever and they're like, I'm not changing. Google, they change their stuff all the time, but it's still almost a Craigslist-like experience, right? Versus some of these other search engine alternatives have given way more like sizzle to their um, before. I think the the issue might come, so let's just play this out on the advertising front. So one is, I, I don't know that it's that we accomplish anything by all of a sudden having Apple have its own search engine and like that's going to make the world better because you're going from one massive conglomerate owning search to another massive conglomerate, not only owning search, but owning so many other things too, right? And so it's almost like you need an upstart and by forcing, by basically Apple jumping in there, it doesn't really help an upstart at all. In fact, it probably makes it that much harder for an upstart to get <laughs> to get going because before you had one major thing to try to compete with. Uh, so like duck, duck, do, go goes after privacy and they're like, that's how we're going to be. <laughs> right. Yeah. What? I, Oh, I just was wondered if you were going to beat me to saying the words duck, duck, go. <laughs> and you did. So congratulations. Yeah. 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 Well, they had one, what was their feature? Like privacy, right? Well, what is Apple? Apple, like a lot of times they tout privacy as, as their thing. So what if all of a sudden the Apple search engine is like, basically rips off DuckDuckGo at this point. They're like, F it, we're going to be the most privacy focused, whatever. It's like now poor DuckDuck is like left out <laughs> to die, right? It's like, well, shoot, we just killed the one upstart we had. Yeah, DuckDuck becomes the odd man out. <laughs> Sorry, this is just making me laugh. I'm, I'm yeah. picturing, you know, a circle, right? DuckDuckGoose and DuckDuck yeah. is, the, is the victim. Um, yeah. Odd man out, as you said. So I think um, the tricky part when you mentioned like the privacy search engine is is how can it be really an effective search engine if it is, in fact, you know, being super strict with its privacy? 
I suppose you can just draw a very clear line in the sand and it's like none of your search habits and data is, is being shared with anyone, like, uh, you know, meaning any third party. Um, how you build a business around that, a business model is a whole nother matter, right? Um, because what drives, you know, that, that whole, uh, machine over there at Google is the fact that it's, it's advertiser, uh, funded. Um, so I, I don't know what, what the, the business model is going to be for, for Apple, but, uh, that would be fascinating as well. I don't know if you got that far, if you mentioned anything, but, I'll let you comment there, and then I want to speak just in general, I guess, to some of the the antitrust. And I don't know if you've seen. I I encouraged you and Nicole. I don't know if you got to it yet, but social the social dilemma. But it it some of the I'll say learnings or insights from that uh, come into play here. All right. Well, I'll, I'll quickly comment and then go back to that. Um, well, I I don't think that it's gonna. I I don't imagine Apple's gonna try to like give away search for free, right? They're probably going to only try to make up the $12 billion. Like let's say Google pops off. They're not getting dollars from Google anymore. Then like our shareholders of Apple just going to want to take a $12 billion hit. Like probably not. Right. Cause that was all margin. And now building out search is not inexpensive. We know that cause Microsoft has spent hundreds of billions of dollars on it now. So you're going to want to try to monetize it somehow. So I think immediately they're going to have to fall in line with what Microsoft and Google do with basic a bid model because there's no other way to do it and if you do that then i think that's the other reason so i believe at this point like probably apple search is probably going to be similar in like effectiveness if you will to google like it's probably not going to come out and be half as good right it's probably going to be like mostly as good but not quite and some of that is the personalization but it's just at this point like they have enough data to do search well. Microsoft does search well, and it's got like 3% of the search market. So it's like, you know, I'm sure Apple can come in and do fine too. And so that's why I'm thinking like, it's probably going to be monetized. And if it's monetized, then that's where it may impact apartments some, because now you've got to somehow like split your thousand dollar search budget across Google, maybe Apple. Yes, Microsoft. Microsoft though, um, very few people we know, you've gone on your Bing uh, tirades before about like, let's be the best damn Bing agency there is. But the thing is, Microsoft's not preloaded as the default on your cell phone. And if half of cell phones are Apple, and now the default is Apple, all of a sudden, apartments are going to have to be good with, you know, advertising on, on Apple search engine. And that's going to be hard to get your agency to start managing, oh, I'm going to do twice the work with an immature platform now and for the same same spend. So I think that could impact apartments quite a bit. Um, and then that may be the only reason why Apple search doesn't end up doing as well at the beginning is because a lot of the success on Google uh, is from a search engine perspective, when you're searching for like businesses, like uh, services, is that it has a very good advertiser model because sometimes the algorithm is not good at learning what the hell you mean. Like I was looking up... Um, beacons again like the google google beacon project and when i was looking for like google beacon alternatives the the organic search terrible did not provide me any value but all of the sponsored listings i clicked on all of them because all of them like were speaking to me like oh google beacon project dead use us instead i'm like hell yeah and so if all of a sudden the advertising platform is not very good on apple search people are going to get quickly frustrated and say apple search sucks when <laughs> it's just that it doesn't have the advertisers built up yet to make the search a decent experience. Yeah, <laughs> that's super interesting. Um, I had a good thought there, <laughs> but <laughs> I got too caught up in what you were saying. Um, well, you can go to social dilemma if you want. I did watch half of it, but then I got kind of nauseated on the thing. So yeah, it's easy to get nauseated on it. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm sure they a few of the or more than a few of the people that they had on it were getting death threats afterwards. Um, but I think that there was an article that I had mentioned to you maybe more than once uh, from a few years ago from the the Washington Post that was talking about data privacy and cookies, and you know, kind of the pros and cons. And the obvious one is is that you know, meaning if you if you provide access. Um, and allow cookies that you're going to actually get a better experience. But then of course the, the flip side of that is that you're, you're giving, uh, you're selling your soul or whatever, you know, you're giving all your data away. 
And so, you know, what do you do with that? And it's, I think, a dilemma on both sides using their, their word, meaning the consumer and the businesses and certainly the ones that are, you know, vested to the tune of $12 billion, how they want to approach that. But generally speaking, I, I do worry like with the fragmentation, um, you know, about um, a, a poor experience, I'll just say, you know, um, as, as this kind of unfolds you know, from a consumer standpoint, and then that ha- ultimately has an impact what you're saying, which is, uh, the advertiser, um, the advertiser flow and, and then, you know, the dilution. And so from an advertiser standpoint, meaning like those that are trying to reach people on, on Google, how will they handle it? I, I think, um, I've told you this when it comes to the directories with the ILS that I think you almost want to be harder to find, um, and it's actually a good thing to have more options, uh, because if you take the right approach, then you can just front load, right. And get, you know, the, the best quality leads using that whole dating, you know, online dating criteria where it's like the only way that somebody's ever going to find you is if they're a perfect prospect. So when it comes to search, and I think the way that you scale it is the way we're doing and Google's actually advocating for the, a lot of agencies they work with are scripts. So we're now in this era of, right scripts, you know, that are dominating. Um, there's a lot off the shelf, but then a lot of companies like Digible are building their own. And that would allow you then if Apple does, you know, which seems eminent now comes on board, you have Bing, you have Google, and let's even keep DuckDuckGo for a little, <laughs> that, that you know, you, you think in the same terms and you just front load your strategy as much as possible uh, on a $2,000 budget and you don't worry, you know, so much about who's got market share. It's like, uh, this is a performance-based environment. If I take take that strategy and I can automate it through scripts, don't I end up actually winning, not losing? Yeah, well, I quickly get to the kayak example, right? Like um, when all those travel sites were popping up, Priceline and Expedia or whatever, like uh, Hyatt.com, then you have like the kayaks of the world that come in and they just start aggregating it all. <clears throat> and that way you can just go straight like to one place instead of searching in nine places. And it's funny because like as there have been a number of startups that have said, we're going to aggregate aggregate Lyft and Uber at the same time so that you can quickly find the cheapest ride for you. And they're built by just accessing the Lyft and Uber API and then telling you which one's cheaper right now and then ordering the car for you. Mm. So I could very much see a similar thing where it's like, well, shoot, you have these like minor startups. And the unfortunate thing about these startups is it sounds smart, like, oh, totally. I want to see which is better Lyft or Uber right now, but they end up dying off because like, it's just not a sustainable business model. Like you can arbitrage a little bit, but then over time you just, um, it gets too competitive and you can't, but I imagine that the same sort of thing would happen where all of a sudden you have like a Kenshu or a Quizio or some sort of bid budget management platform. That's like, I'm going to help you manage Bing and Apple and Google all at once. And then, Hey, heck, why don't we throw, um, uh, Facebook in there. And what's super interesting about it, we'll bring up a fourth topic real quick, but um, I don't know if you saw Reed, but Microsoft released a, its own like bid budget management system, but it's aggregating like Google and Facebook and, and being like all at once. It's basically allowing you like as a small business advertiser to go into one platform and launch your ad campaign. And uh, it's like, well, that's really interesting to me that that Microsoft developed that and put it out in the wild for free for anybody to use kind of like an AdWords express for everything at once. Um, because now they're obviously giving dollars to someone else, but I guess the long-term play is there. Let's get them can let's get the market convinced that Microsoft is, is a player <laughs> and we'll play nice with everybody as opposed to trying to be anti-competitive there. No, so anyways, I, just I, really yeah, I didn't know that reminds me of, uh, this incredible, uh, company and platform called Digible and Fiona. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, you know, you can spend all the money you want on ILS, but, um, you know, eventually you'll, you'll see, I mean, and it's not that, I mean, I'm kidding, but you, you get what I'm saying. Like they're trying to build as we are kind of this platform that sits on top of it all or under, yeah. uh, underneath it. Exactly. And so I could see the same thing happening. I mean, it's almost going to have to happen as you get fragmented. Cause I think about like, I know we get frustrated within our own company, but we have like Dropbox files and Google drive files and somebody slacked me a file and it's not in either. And so it's like, well, how do I search 
how do I search? And so there's these companies that have developed a universal search where they mm -hmm. search all of your logins at once to try to return mm -hmm. you the stuff. And that's what I, what could end up happening here is all is my point. Um, but to just to get back on your topic is like, if you start making all of this super privacy dependent, like now your search experience is just not going to be, it's just not going to be as good. Right. Because now if you can't share that amongst like all of your systems, then you just start having a really crappy time. So. That's right. Just somewhat connecting this still on that Washington Post article, but uh, to the social dilemma. But they pointed out that um, the other side of this is, is that if you do give your data and you just say, I got nothing to hide, I want the best experience possible, you, you're not really getting that. Um, and this is not to be, I don't know, uh, try and make this as clear as possible, but it becomes a house of mirrors. So if if you uh, provide all your data, you know, you're quickly getting profiled and therefore, and I know a lot of people are understand this, especially with an election, but, you know, if, if you are choosing to read content on CNN, guess, guess what kind of content's coming towards you. And if you're, you know, a Fox, um, you know, fan, then, then you're going to get the, the Trump and the Republican, you know, uh, content. And that goes so much beyond that. Those are just super easy examples to understand. And so is is that what we want as a society, um, you know, to to be shaped by these giant tech companies, which is what that that whole documentary is essentially saying is, is they're now kind of developing um, and influencing uh, our, our, our future, our, our personal identities, uh, more than, than anybody could have realized. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. And so that when it, we talk antitrust, but then the duck duck goes uh, are just, it's unrealistic at this point, has that train already left? And this is not to be dystopian, but this is just, this is the, the direction that we're headed and for the unforeseeable future. Um, I think what, you know, I don't want to say Democrats because both sides have advocated for more data privacy, but is that the only thing that could potentially slow things down? And it's not just data privacy, but it's data, you know, governance and and having some controls about the extent you know, that these algorithms are influencing our behaviors. So that that to me is the only hope. But, you know, be prepared, you know, if they're successful and it would need to be more than moderately, but if they're highly successful with some of these uh, new rules and governance, and a lot of this is, is coming over from, you know, the, the, from Europe, uh, it's going to be a different, it's, it's going to be different for us. Uh, it'd be one, it'd be interesting to see how subtle it is, but online, as far as the content, um, the search results that we get, uh, if, if there's a big disruption here, um, as far as data privacy and governance. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you saw that um, that website I sent you over the I think it was the weekend the get out and vote or no what was it? get that vote uh, well I have to be honest on this don't I no I, I have not clicked <laughs> on that one yet <laughs> you, I sent it so there's a great I would highly recommend anybody check out this website but it's called getthatvote.com um, and it was produced by this advertising agency um, out of Salt Lake City and it basically is just cobbling together all of these social or all of these, um, all of the profiles basically of the candidates where you have Trump and, and Biden and it pulls together their advertise, their organic, um, presence as well as their advertising presence. And it's a whole website, like case study about it, but I brought it up because it's really interesting going through like the Google ad estimated ad spend for both candidates and where they're spending the, the ad spend and how much and over time. But in particular, you mentioned about the house of mirrors and they have a, they have a stat on here. Um, I, I actually. Yeah, I have it right here where they say like, what is the, what's the social media echo chamber of the two candidates and between they, they looked at both Trump and Biden followers and then said, okay, how many of these followers follow other like similar, like somebody for the other side too. And the overlap of interest between the two candidates is 1.3%. <laughs> so <laughs> there's not a lot of overlap among the two like populations that are following over either. So to your point, Reed, it, that's exactly what it is. I felt like that was like, when I saw that stat, I was like, this is the most conclusive thing to the echo chamber, the house of mirrors that you always talk about. Yeah. The, yeah. And appreciate you sending that. feel like a schmuck for not looking at this uh, before this call because it would have been valuable, but super fascinating. I'm just scanning through it right now. But yeah, that echo chamber is is intense. And it it's sad because I think most people don't want to see this polarization, you know, uh, kind of the, the radical 
uh, behavior and, and uh, nature of the country right now. And frankly, these tech companies are a huge part of the problem. Um, as much as they give you access to content and news, it's not a coincidence, you know, typically what type of content and news you're getting. And therefore, it just fuels fuels the fire. Um, so where and how do we do we get more of a centrist look at the world? Um, you know, and what, whether it's locally what's happening around us or whether it's more global. Um, and, you know, definitely don't have the answer for that, but it's, uh, it's a big, big challenge. And I would think the only way that anything does change is if we do get much stricter with these ad tech companies about uh, the data that they're gathering and how they're using it. Yeah. Well, I'll say one last thing as far as like this whole situation before, um, uh, before I'm, uh, I'm kind of out of not relevant material, but probably spoken more than anybody wants to hear. But my, um, oh shoot. Now I got to remember what the hell I was going to say. Oh, uh, so I, if you were to ask me though, like a month ago, which of these giant, giant tech companies is up for a whooping first, I don't think I would have picked Google. Like between like Apple, Twitter, Facebook, Google, is it is it not surprising that Google's the first one to get walloped here and not like a Facebook, obviously? And what blows me away about it is, again, they're not walloped on the way that I would expect. Like the Chrome browser to me makes sense because we already did the, the, the suit against Microsoft to the browser. And like, and if you're going to talk about... Um, usually these antitrust cases are about like splitting companies up. Like you'll remember the phone companies where they got split up so that, so that there was competition. But I was thinking that they would force like Google to split the Chrome browser off because it, it, it that's why so Google owns so much search or a big reason because it's the default and, or like, um, or like the Google maps business or something like that. But instead they don't focus on on Facebook, let's say, because that's where I thought the the heat would have come. And instead, they go to Google, and then they're like, "Oh, Google." And we're not concerned about like all of your other stuff that you do. We're concerned about the one deal you made with Apple on on the twelve billion dollars. I'm like, there's you could have picked so many other things to go after. I don't know why you focused on this one monetary deal. Um, cause now I, I mean, I guess theoretically to beat it down, Apple could just say like, we'll redo our contract with Google. Google pays $6 billion to be in consideration, but you know, we'll also charge Microsoft a billion dollars to be in consideration or whatever. So anyways, I'm just saying I would have totally got this one wrong. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, that being said, it's still early and I'll use a uh, comparison with the NCA investigation from the FBI, but that, that was like a 10 year investigation. And when it first uh, kind of broke, the news broke about some of the, the violations and the big programs that were involved, it seemed minor. Um, and I think a lot of people were like, what, what's the big deal here? And, and why are you focused on, I'll just call it minor violations. I could, couldn't recall exactly uh, what some of those were. Uh, but the more, like the further along that it went, and then this started to come out um, that the FBI was doing that deliberately. I don't know that uh, this is a fair comparison, but just meaning that they were strategically piecemealing some of their findings um, and that there was a much bigger kind of overall, I guess, agenda. And so that's what I wonder with this antitrust is, is this just the beginning for Google? Because there's mounting pressure from both the public and the private sector uh, for change. And so this could just be the tip of the iceberg. So it'll be interesting to see if there's more to come here. No, it's a great point. And as you said earlier, a lot of what we're doing here is being forwarded by uh, the EU, right? And mm -hmm. a lot of the the fines that Google has been paying in Europe are actually not related to this type of thing. It's related to like the knowledge box or whatever, and how you're stealing like facts from the New York Times and not not sending people to the New York Times first um, for your web results. And so again, I would have thought like let's go after that part of the publisher angle. But to I guess what you're saying is maybe they're just this is one almost like a distraction. And then we're going to go, then we're going to hit you with the real, all the other stuff that you already got hit on uh, in Europe. Yeah. And it could just be also viewed or, uh, the, well, a shot across the bow, right? Um, over at Google that, that also has them rethinking maybe future plans. And certainly I think we already know Facebook has, I don't know how much you could say they've pivoted on their own VTO using our vernacular, but, you know, they're, they're, uh, three to five year strategy uh, on the heels of all the, uh, you know, the 
uh, protests and um, call outs, you know, both from the government again and and the public. Uh, but if I am Google or if I am uh, Amazon or if I'm Facebook, certainly, you know, these announcements and suits um, would have me thinking a little differently about uh, what's realistic and, and how I would be approaching kind of my global strategy for the next five to 10 years. So that, that, that could be another element is like, we don't need to like expose or, or get you for, you know, all, all these more obvious and bigger issues. If we just have this kind of uh, shot, you know, message will be heard and understood. Consider yourself lucky. Um, but if you move forward with some of those take over the world plans that, you know, have you've been operating under for the last 15 years, then um, you stand to risk a lot more. Yeah. Well, I guess I would <clears throat> just say like, um, well, one, maybe that's, maybe it actually will accelerate some of those take over the world because like you're, you're going to get sued separately in the Europe in Europe than you are the U S. So it's like, instead of like trying to own one locale, why, Market you know, place, start yeah. spreading to India yeah. Yeah, yeah. or whatever. But the other the other angle of that is, I guess, um, I just hope what shakes out from all of this is something that feels, I guess, as fit as fair as possible. I mean, I say that because what you what I think wouldn't be healthy is if like we ding, let's say Google on something, but we don't do something to Facebook or we don't do something to to Twitter or whatever, like to Amazon, right? You want to talk about anti competitive? Like, how about Amazon like knocking off all the products they see that are successful, right? Like, so I just. I, I would hope that there's some version of fairness that happens here and not like where it's like, well, we got one, like we got one of them and then you leave the rest. Cause it doesn't teach anybody anything. It doesn't make Amazon reconsider what it's doing. If all you do is it's like, well, someone's going to get shot, but you know, it's, it's better to be like to lean hardcore into this first and then wait. Cause maybe you'll get fined or maybe you won't. Right. But let's not, uh, ne- let's not change your behavior because you know, um, the damage, the fine or whatever is never as bad as the gain that someone got by leaning into it. I mean, that's what they say about like tax evasion, right? Like chances are so low. So you might as well evade taxes and then apologize afterwards. Yeah. Becomes a bit of a risk analysis. Like, and you're, you know, I, I think similar, well, not similar, but like with federal prosecutors, obviously they pick their cases very carefully and it may be that we won't ever see them like fully undress, you know, I guess, or change, disrupt these giant, you know, ad tech companies, but that, you know, again, if they, if they spread their, their, uh, scrutiny, um, and have these smaller, um, suits, antitrust and whatnot, that they, they feel like that is the best chance to, I don't want to say teach a lesson, as you said, is anybody learning anything out of this, but, uh, rather than go all in on just one, it, 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 I would die to be a fly on the wall, frankly, like on those conversations to hear strategically who they're going after, how they're approaching it. And then what they see is their likelihood of winning, because obviously they don't want to look silly either. And they could end up spending an incredible amount of taxpayer money, um, you know, on, on lost causes, you know, where there's just, uh, there's not enough there, there as, as our, some of our friends like to say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you made me feel like there needs to be, this is the Netflix show like of the future that needs to get made, right? Where it's like, you have like a billions meets like house of cards, but with like, um, yeah, that, that's all around like the tech news and, and what we're going after. That would yeah, be fun. That would be fun. You and I would definitely both get the popcorn out for that one. Yeah. All right, Reed. Well, I guess I have some other current events. Uh, maybe we hit next week uh, that are, that apply well for this industry. But anything else for today? No, no. I think we did our normal, you know, tangential. We are normal tangential selves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right. Well, we'll catch the rest of you next week. Later.